You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys were coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Bunch of this did it again! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Shane. We got a lot of action to get into, a lot of stuff going on in the SEC, so let's just get right into it. But before we get into SEC news and go around the league, Shane, something pretty wild happened here on Monday. Old Bobby Petrino pulled up to the Little Rock (laughs) Touchdown Club. truly tell you how sorry I am for the way it ended. Uh, But I also wanted to come here to thank you for everything that uh, people in this room and in the state did for me and my family. You were great to us. You're a special, special group, uh, special crowd, uh, and you don't, you don't really understand how much effect that y'all have on the players and their families and the support and how much that means. And, uh, you know, there's no question the Hogs can come back, uh, but they're going to need everybody's help here. So stay with them and keep supporting them uh, because you are what makes uh, the University of Arkansas a special job. There's no question about it. All right, Shane. I mean, I couldn't believe this. I mean, when this was first announced, I was wondering what in the heck is going to happen with this. Because obviously we all know the story. Bobby Vitrino, maybe the most famous press conference in SEC history. He's got the neck brace. And, yeah, he was a hell of a coach there. But he left and, you know, got fired in disgrace. And the program's never recovered. And, you know, obviously you can't. We just got this audio clip, Shane, but after this speech, I mean, he's not only is he getting standing ovations, but uh, I'm not even kidding. Maybe we ought to link this on the Reddit page, but there was a line around the building to shake this man's hand. And I'm just thinking, what in the hell is wrong with these people? Uh, I mean, he he ruined this program with his, you know, poor decision making and and there's no excuse for it. Well, Mike. As much as I like to lay it on him, do you think they wish they had him? 
You know what I'm saying? Because those were the glory <laughs> days right now. And uh, Arkansas's down, and kudos to him, man. I don't know if this was acting or if this was, if this was just. Oh come on, Shane! Fail. This is one hundred. He he's almost started crying, and then he talked for thirty minutes without breaking. I mean, I love, I mean yeah, like on. my kid. <laughs> <laughs> Soon as she gets her way, you know, she stops crying. No, this uh, this he wants the job, man. He wants the job, and just, that goes to show. There's a lot of fans out there that love to have him back, mm-hmm. and I know that's crazy, you know. But there's a lot of Tennessee fans that love to have Lane Kiffin back. Hell, I've seen a few people who want Butch Jones back. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes <laughs> you think the next thing is going to be better. And, yes, did did Petrino wreck Arkansas? Yes, absolutely. But it should have been fixed by now, man. And 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 at this given moment, I'm sure if you polled the fans, man, there's there's a hefty there's a quite a few of them out there that would take Bobby in a neck in a minute, man. Yeah, well, I think that's just because the program's in the way it is now and under Chad Morris and maybe not going anywhere at the moment. But I don't know. Sell your soul, Shane, if you will. But <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny. You sent this clip to me and I didn't know who it was. And they're like, I'm listening to it. I'm like, is Morris crying? You know, I honestly thought this was Morris. And I'm like, man, you know. Dude, yeah, you've had a rough opening season here. You're one and one. It's You know, it's nothing to cry about just yet but you know that's what i thought <laughs> i thought it was boris man knows old bobby petrino shane and uh, let's just wave goodbye to him as he leaves the little rock touchdown club <laughs> all right shane before we get into news around the sec wanted to hit you with this a little game we like to play every week you know we're gonna try to do this on sundays when we can but uh, here early in the season, Shane, we got 13 games to break down on Sunday, so we just don't have time to get to the opening lines. So let's just go ahead and do that now, Shane. These are the opening lines for the Week 3 action here in the SEC. We only got a couple games because we got a lot of FCFs matchups here. Uh, let's start here with Kansas State at Mississippi State, Shane. Uh, I thought Mississippi State would be favored by 8, and you thought Mississippi State would be favored by 12. And when the line opened, Shane, Mississippi State favored by eight and a half. So I was pretty on the money here. And I'm a little surprised that it was this high considering, you know, the Tommy Stevens injury. But it does sound like Tommy Mm -hmm. Stevens may be all right. But uh, what are your thoughts on Mississippi State being slightly over a touchdown favorite here at home against Kansas State? Yeah, you know, what'd you have? Real quick, Mark. What'd you have this again? I had it at eight. What? Eight and it's eight and, and a half. I, and I, you had it as twelve. Are you, are you cheating? No, sir. Are you cheating? Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm not calling you a cheater, but damn, it's pretty close, Mike. That's I'm good pretty at this, close. Man. Just wait till I get some more of these. <laughs> hey, baby, I'm the one that put money on LSU, Mike. Okay, <laughs> I'm good right now. I'm on top of the mountain. So Kansas State, I, I think they read more into their past two games. You know they they're coming off a fifty-two to zero win against Bowling Green, mm-hmm. so I, I think you're probably just reading that box score, <laughs> honestly, like I am. You know, but I know that Mississippi State defense is is coming back, and uh, and I'm kind of banking mine. The reason I had it so high, I thought Tommy would be back this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it looks like he may, but uh, that remains to be seen at this point. All right, Shane. Next game on the docket here: Arkansas State at Georgia. You thought Georgia would be favored by 45 points, uh, 
I said Georgia by 30. In the opening line, Shane, Georgia by 31 and a half. I almost nailed that one, too. Uh, you got, a, obviously, a ton of faith in Georgia here, but it uh, looks like you got no faith in Arkansas State. This is, a pretty, this is one of the better programs in the Sun Belt. You really think uh, Georgia put that big of a whooping on them? Absolutely, man. You know, there's a couple things that really stood out to me with, with this game is this is Georgia's first true test. Like, I, you know, as much as coach like to pump up Arkansas State, well, they did lose to SMU, Mike, so let's, let's don't get too carried away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, Coach Coach Moore's gonna be down there next year. So, and they got. Can he take Ben Hicks with him? <laughs> oh shit! No, honestly, I I don't know much about Arkansas State. You know, um, I just know that Georgia hasn't been tested yet. Uh, Vanderbilt, you know, I, I think Vanderbilt was obviously the toughest game, but this is kind of feels like it's going to be on the same level, if not worse. So I don't know. I, I really think that coaches, he's got to get that stride before conference play. So he's going to get some of these young kids some playing time. And, and I really think that they're going to open up the offense a little more against a team like Arkansas State. All right, Shane, how about this matchup? The CBS, first uh, SEC-CBS game of the week, mm. Alabama at South Carolina. You thought Alabama would be favored by 24 I thought the uh, Gamblers would have a lot more confidence in the Tide. I said 35. I was way off. You you nailed this one. Alabama opened as a 22-point favorite on the road to South mm-hmm. Carolina. Uh, sounds like you're really buying into the Helensky hype here. Yeah, the Helensky effect right here, buddy. <laughs> That's what this is. You know, I, I, you know, I don't think Alabama's going to overlook them, but I, I do think South Carolina took some major steps forward last week. I mean – I, you know, nothing against Bentley, and I know it's Charleston Southern, but damn, you know, that offense looked good. So, yeah, so again, I, I'm kind of surprised that it isn't more than I honestly, I thought it would be higher than that, to be honest with you. And I said honest like 10 times, so honestly. Yeah, this this was going to be my favorite bet of the week. I was hoping it was going to be real high because I thought the general public, you look at it and say, well, South Carolina's losing a senior quarterback. They're starting a freshman going up against Nick Saban. But hell, Shane, I think the Gamecocks are better with Holinsky. So I, I think the, the gambler's a lot smarter than I, took that, <laughs> than I figured they were on this one. All right, Shane, next game, Colorado State at Arkansas. You thought Arkansas would be favored by a touchdown. I said Arkansas by nine, and we're both a little off here. Arkansas opened as a 12-point favorite, Shane. And this is before we knew uh, Starkville was going to get the start here, but – Thoughts on uh, Arkansas being nearly a two-touchdown favorite against any team at this point? Do they still got Bobo up there? Yeah, he's the head coach. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I'm sure we're going to hear that uh, about 20 times, you know, during this game. So, I don't know. I don't know much about Colorado State. I I don't think they're going to be near as good as they were last year, and they weren't that good. But, you know, Arkansas. They beat Arkansas, though. Well, yeah, last year, but I'm talking. I, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. Mm-hmm. Nailed right this moment. I don't know if Arkansas is as good as they were last year. So, <laughs> uh, this is an interesting bet right here, man. Yeah, uh, last year they had Preston Williams. He took over, and obviously he's in the NFL now. So, uh, mm-hmm. certainly they don't have anyone of his caliber, I would imagine. All right, Kent State, Shane at Auburn. You thought Auburn mm. would be a thirty? No, I'm sorry. You thought. Auburn would be a 28-point favorite. I said 21. I was way off, Shane. You were closer on this one. Auburn opens as a 34-and-a-half-point favorite. So 
Looks like uh, Vegas expecting Tigers to have a big bounce back this week. Yeah, Tulane was better than people thought. You know, Tulane's got some good players. They got some good defense, and and I think they were kind of expecting this to be a closer game. And now that they got that growing pain out of the way, maybe Vegas is saying, okay, now now they're going to get back in, in you know to the normal Auburn that we're used to seeing. You know, so that's the only thing I can guess here. I don't know much. Again. We're talking Kent State, man. You know, I, I haven't watched any film on Kent State, just what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban's alma mater, Shane. That's about all I know about him. All right. Yeah, and he didn't get the job, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, God. Could you imagine if Saban was the coach of there? <laughs> then I, that would be a closer game. A final game here on the opening line, Shane. Florida at Kentucky. This game is almost always close. You thought Florida be favored by 19. I said Florida by 14 and a half, and I only said that because Terry Wilson's out. We were both wrong, Shane. It opened at 11. I think it's actually come down. I think it's at like nine at currently, but, man, thoughts on uh, this game being a lot closer based on this point spread than, than either of us had at opening. I think it's his quarterback, man. I think people are confident. I, I Just everything I'm seeing online, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think they're expecting a huge drop-off from Terry Wilson, you know? So uh, the kid came out, looked efficient last week, and maybe that's what they're uh, they're bet. I mean, he's a I mean, he's a, he's still going to run a Kentucky offense. You know, he's a dual threat. He can throw the ball, and he's got plenty of experience. So maybe that's what they're expecting. Because if Terry was in the game, I would have had it closer to this. You know, probably even a touchdown. But uh, but now I th- I just think that's what they're I think that's what they're looking at, man. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, last thing before we go around the league here. Obviously, we're about to go into week three of the SEC schedule, but the SEC on Monday announced the week four schedule, so two weeks ahead. And I just want to break this down for all the fans, let them know when their game's going to be on and where they can find it. Uh, let's just go in order, Shane, from you know the noon games to the night game. And we'll start. We got four noon games, Shane. LSU at Vanderbilt, and uh, this is going to be on ESPN, ESPN2, or SEC Network. They've not decided yet, and that's the same thing with Tennessee at Florida, also going to be at noon, going to be on one of those three stations. Alabama hosting Southern Miss, also at noon on either ESPN or ESPN2. And then final noon game here, Shane, Cal at Ole Miss on noon on ESPNU, and thoughts on all those? And I, I'll just, right off the bat, Shane, I'm going to say, Cal, I think Ole Miss is catching a break. I know some fans are not happy with this noon game, but you're going to be catching Cal at 9 a.m. West Coast time. Uh, I, I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's perfect for the Rebels. Oh, man, yeah. That's not the one I'm looking at, Mike. I'm looking at the 12 o'clock Tennessee, Florida, mm-hmm. because when was the last time this game was played at noon, you know? Mm-hmm. That's just that's where we're at today, you know. I wish they would have played it at midnight, you know. <laughs> at least I think if you're uh, a Tennessee fan, I think you want it at noon. I think this is the type of game. Yes, it's going to be hot, but it's going to be hot in Florida regardless because that humidity. Well, but yeah, I you know, go in there. This is the same situation. T- they went down and beat Auburn on the road. You're going to get. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Florida fans are going to show up for this game, but I don't think they're going to be that rowdy at noon. Um, I don't know. I just think if you're the road team playing at noon, I think that's always a, that's always better than playing at night. You do not want to go into the swamp at night. That's that's just a nightmare. 
No, I'm I'm not saying that's advantage. I'm just saying it's an embarrassment that it's being played at noon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't I, honestly. I cannot remember last time I, I watched this game without hearing Gary Danielson. You know what I'm saying? So, well, Shane, if this is the last embarrassment you have to suffer the kickoff time for the Florida game, then I think things are turning <laughs> up here for the ball. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do a spread on Chattanooga, did we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, going back to the week four slate, Shane. So, CBS is going to do a doubleheader this week. So, that's pretty awesome. And the first one, the typical 330 game, is going to be Auburn at Texas A&M. This is shaping up to be mm. one heck of a game here. And then yeah. the next two games, Shane, these are going to be underrated nationally, but in the SEC, fans are going to know these are going to be two great games here. First, South Carolina at Missouri. That's going to be a 4 o'clock Eastern time on SEC Network. And same deal at 4 o'clock SEC Network, Kentucky at Mississippi State. These are two critical games for both of these, you know, all four of these teams where, uh, you know, if you win it, I think you're heading towards a really big year. If you lose it, uh, it's going to be tough to to kind of bounce back against some of the tougher teams on the slate. Yeah, no, those are those are two great games. Last games here on the docket, Shane, for Week Four: San Jose State at Arkansas. No idea why this is the 7:30 game on SEC Network, but the, <laughs> the, there you go, you got that one. And then the one everyone will be watching, Shane, the primetime, eight o'clock on CBS. It's very rare that we have a CBS night game this early in the season. Notre Dame at Georgia. This is going to be one hell of a game, and uh, I can't wait for this. First time Notre Dame's ever gone to Athens. Dude, I mean, week two and week three are night and day, ain't they? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The <laughs> best game is South Carolina and Alabama week two. Week three, you know, you've got four or five that really could decide the freaking conference, man. You know what I'm saying? Especially – when you're talking teams like Kentucky, uh, Mississippi State, you know those are those teams that, that that have an even playing field that really could. I mean, we could have some real good ball games, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. Plus, Shane. icing on the cake is watching Notre Dame get smacked. That's gonna be that's gonna be great. <laughs> All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to work. Okay, Shane, we got two big conference games this week, obviously. So let's kick it off with uh, talking about those games. And let's start off with this uh, SEC East battle, Shane. This is going to be a very intriguing game when Florida comes to Kentucky. Let's start there in Lexington. Mark Stoops met with the media here on Monday. And, of course, the big topic in Lexington, uh, the quarterback Sawyer Smith, former Troy quarterback, 
This guy played quite a bit, and from what I understand, I haven't watched these highlights yet, but I plan on watching them, Shane. He started in Troy's bowl game last year and kind of tore it up and then decided, uh, you know, there was an opportunity here at Kentucky. Obviously, with Terry Wilson's injury history, I think he made the wise decision to, you know, take a gamble on himself, come up here to Kentucky, get a shot in the SEC. It sounds like Mark Stoops and these Wildcats Seems like they got some confidence in their new quarterback here going into this one. The, the good news is that Sawyer's been through this. Sawyer's played a lot. He's had to step in. He stepped in uh, this past week and played very good. So, um, you know, we're excited about him and we're confident in him. All right, Shane. So, what little action we got to see of Sawyer Smith in this Eastern Michigan game. Of course, you know, we're obviously talking about Eastern Michigan here, but Sawyer Smith did not uh, look phased at all by having to go in there through two touchdowns late in the game. I don't know, Shane. I don't want to say this is an upgrade because that's kind of disrespectful to Terry Wilson. I'm not sure it is an upgrade, but I don't think uh, the Wildcats are going to go into this game saying, well, hell, we can't win it now that our quarterback went down. I think if you're going to have a backup kind of rise to the occasion, at least you're going to have someone like this instead of just like a true freshman or something that's never played. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, Mike, the, the kid's been in big games before, you know. I don't know how much he played. He, he started uh, – he he play, he's played in 13 games, and he started seven, including the bowl game where right, – here's his, here's his numbers <laughs> in the bowl game. 31 of 44, which is 70% completion, 320 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, that's a hell of a stat line. Dude, there, I, I'm telling you, man. I've never seen Kentucky – I've never seen a team – well, I can't say that because we just had South Carolina and now we've got Tennessee. But I, it's rare to have a team excited that their starting quarterback is out. And honestly, that's the vibes I'm getting out of Kentucky, man, is they're kind of happy that Smith's back there because they have more confidence in his arm than with Terry Wilson. And maybe they're on to something. This kid's played in some big games. You know, you mentioned the bowl game. He's He's got the stats there. Mm-hmm. A kid that has the ability to run. Um, you know, he, he's not a – I don't think he's a world beater like Terry is in the running game, but he's he's definitely one of those that can make something happen with his legs, at least extend a play. So, I don't know, man. Um, I, I – the Kentucky fans are pumped up, man, and they know a lot more about this quarterback than I do, apparently. Well, how about this stat, Shane? I, I bet you didn't know this one. He led Troy to a win over the mighty Georgia State program last year. Uh, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. They also beat Nebraska. Did he play in that game? Do you know? He did not. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. wait, let's wait. say he did. He, he, went, he four rushes for 60 yards. He he ran all over oh. him, 15 yards per Dude. <laughs> He, he, he was, he was this, the biggest this reason. Your, uh, Bo, he, he, this ain't your Bo Pelini Nebraska team either, man. This is Scott <laughs> Frost, ain't it? You know, so, uh, yeah, watch out. Watch out, Florida. All right, so let's flip on to the other side of this one, Shane, because Dan Mullen met with the media here on Monday from Gainesville. And he was asked about this Sawyer Smith, asked about last season's game. Obviously, Kentucky got the win finally over Florida giving them, you know, that that win propelled them to best season in 40 years. Uh, so let's jump here to Dan Mullen talking about Kentucky on last year and, you know, trying to study up on this Sawyer Smith that they have very little game film on here at, at Kentucky. 
Uh, how much will last year's game be discussed, and can you use that as some motivation? I mean, that was not really. Um, I'm going to be discussed within the scheme of what we're trying to do, um, but I don't see how it has much effect on this year's game. You know, um, to be honest with you, I mean, uh, they did a good job won the game last year, and you know, hopefully we've. I mean, we're we're we grew a lot from that as a team uh, within our program and where we are, but. Uh, you know, besides, hey, this is what they did to stop us, or this is how what they ran on offense and defense, and here's how they made some plays. This caused us some problems. Here's some things we did well. That's about what how what we take out of last year's game. A little bit during the bye week for Kentucky, um, with the change in quarterback, does that just try to throw everything back uh, to start? I mean, I, you know, they're not going to just scrap everything and they're going to run their offense you know it'll just have a little bit of a f different flavor to it you know we got to go and try to find some film on the new quarterback and um you know and watch what he does but i you know just like anybody i mean we're they're not gonna make wholesale changes uh to what they do um they they're gonna do what they do and they you know i mean very similar to you know we have guys banged up hey next guy up and someone's got to go step in and make the play all right shane so dan mullen you know he kind of downplayed it i don't know if he's really being honest here, I think he, I think he's very guarded with his answers and these pressers because I don't know if I'm the Florida coach, Shane. I don't, I don't know how you're not firing your guys up for this Kentucky squad that came into the swamp and uh, really out physical them and and just and just I mean it was not luck. They just got beat. I you know and I don't think something that he was hitting on there is I don't think that Kentucky changes what Kentucky does. You know, Kentucky's kind of morphed a little bit from week one to week two and getting Smoke and Rose more involved and getting back to the running game, which that's what they were doing last year. So I think if they build off that, I think they'll be fine. And like he said, I, I just don't think they changed the offense because Terry's out because, you know, Smith's fully capable of running this offense. So the one thing that concerns me, though, is I like in my mind, I like to think Kentucky has been holding back a little bit, you know. Florida couldn't do that against Miami. They had to show their cards. Granted, they didn't have to do it much this last week, but I think Kentucky has gotten into some situations, especially with the Toledo game, where there were some times they probably had to show their cards a little bit more than they wanted to. Mm -hmm. But honestly, you know, he's talking about pulling film from a, a team that wasn't even running this type of offense. So I think there's a slight advantage to Kentucky, especially with quarterback play here. Mm. And it's not just Kentucky that's dealing with the injury bug, Shane. The Gators here a little banged up heading into this game. Dan Mullen also announced here on Monday that uh, their outstanding receiver, Kadarius Toney, is out. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. I don't think he specified why. Of course, this was the guy that uh, you know had scored the first touchdown of the season there against Miami with a huge reception. Of course, the Gators are pretty loaded at receivers, so it's not going to cripple them, but... You just hate to lose a guy this that's this explosive. And then their outstanding cornerback, Shane, this is more troubling. C.J. Henderson, he's doubtful with an ankle sprain. I think uh, he's going to be unavailable for this one. They haven't ruled him out. They're saying he wants to play, but I don't know if you I don't know if you trot him out there. I mean, this guy's he's probably going to be a first round NFL pick. I don't think you risk him if if he's if mm -hmm. at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know something else that I just thought about. You know, in that clip. Mm -hmm. He was saying that, and let me get your opinion on this. He was saying that the game from last year doesn't have bearing. It kind of felt like that, that it shouldn't have bearing on this this season. Mm -hmm. And I disagree, man, because last year 
the most upsetting loss that Florida had was easily this Kentucky game, man. You know, this is something that they've been thinking about, you know. And easily, on if you flip the coin here, if you go the other side of the ball, it's Kentucky. Biggest win that they had last year was easily the Florida game. So, right. do you think? Do you think that plays a role? Because I do. I think it does play a role going into this Saturday's game. Well, it depends on what you mean. Like, obviously, I think everyone outside of Lexington is going to be picking the Gators to win. So, once again, if Kentucky gets it done. You know, I think it's huge for their program. I mean, imagine mm-hmm. what was the what was the number? Thirty-one years, I think they hadn't beat Florida, right? And they turn around and beat them twice. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. Now, on the flip side, Florida, if they if they somehow find a way to lose this game, I don't think it kills their season. But I just don't think it's as big for the Gators. Now, it should be a revenge game. I think the players are, yeah. are certainly you know, wanting to win this one. But on the list of rivalries it, that the Gators have, it's this is going to be near the near the bottom, even though this is uh, this is annually a really great game. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even call it a rivalry because Florida always wins it. But I don't know. I, I think if you're asking me one side, does it mean more? I think it means more for Kentucky, certainly. Okay. Yeah, I just I, th- I think the fact that they beat them last year, that's just that that weight is lifted. They know that they can beat a team like Florida, mm-hmm. but then on the other side, I do think that there's going to be a little bit more mustard on this game for Florida. Just the fact that they lost to them and and ended that streak last season. Yeah, I see what you're saying now. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. Where Nick Saban met with the media here on Monday as well. And he was asked about this Ryan Helinski, Shane, South Carolina phenom, Heislinski, I like to call him, the greatest <laughs> South Carolina freshman quarterback I've seen since Jake Bentley. And, uh, I mean, Nick Saban, man, he just, of course, he does this with a lot of players, but he had nothing but uh, incredible praise here for Helinski. Coach, South Carolina's had to go from from – Jake Bentley to a freshman quarterback, Kalinsky. Uh What could you tell about him from the one game that he started? Well, he played great. I mean, uh, I, I mean, a guy was like, I don't know, 26 for 30 or whatever, and they had a lot of yards. And um, he certainly didn't look like a freshman quarterback out there. He's a good athlete. He's got a good arm. He was very accurate. He made good decisions. He got rid of the ball. He got the ball out of his hand quickly. Uh, and he executed the offense extremely well. So, um, you know, I, no, no disrespect because we think, you know, Bentley is a really good quarterback and certainly experienced guy, but they didn't miss a beat, you know, in this game in terms of the quarterback position. All right, Shane. So, sounds like not Nick Saban. Sounds like you or I up there talking about Ryan Helinski. <laughs> you think Nick Saban really thinks this, or you think they'll have uh, a lot schemed up to try to? you know, try to confuse the freshman here from South Carolina. Oh, he went full fanboy, didn't he? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just think uh, this is saving 101, man. Pump them up. Get them, get them high so that they think that they got an opportunity. Not saying that they don't, but, you know, they're oozing with confidence right now. And what you've seen on the film for Alabama these last two weeks is not going to be anywhere near what you're going to see on film this week. You know, you talk about being able to hold back. 
that's exactly what Alabama's been able to do, mm-hmm. and including Tua Judy on offense, and then this defense. There's schemes and there's blitzes that you have not seen yet, and they know that this is a true freshman, man. This is, you know, they're going to throw it at him. So we're going to find out real quick how good Helensky really is. Let me ask you this, Shane. I'm going to get your thoughts. This just came to me. But obviously South Carolina's already lost a game. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing. A lot of fans basically, you know how fans do. You're, you're living this right now. The, the season's yep. over. Who cares? Let's fast forward to 2020 with a new coach and a new quarterback. There's not going to be any game co- – I mean, game. this is going to be a sellout, I would imagine. There's going to be, it's going to be mm-hmm. rowdy. They're going to be expecting a great game here. But I don't think there's going to be any South Carolina fans going into this one saying, you know, we're going to beat the hell out of Alabama because they just lost right. to North Carolina. Any chance that, that that losing to North Carolina has taken all the pressure off Will Muschamp to win, like, to win this game, and they just go out there and instead of him being his damn conservative self that bites him in the ass – he just goes all out. Yes, they got a freshman. I mean, hopefully they don't use that as an excuse to play conservatively because it's, it's not going to work against two and those receivers. You cannot mm-hmm. play conservatively against this Alabama team. But any chance that kind of just, I don't know, it just kind of lifts a monkey off their shoulders, so to speak, and just kind of, you know, they just play balls to the wall. And, and who knows? I mean, if they somehow spring an upset here, would it be because they lost to North Carolina and it just kind of made Muschamp realize we got to do a 180 here? Dude, Alabama is that team that you do it to. You know, I hate watching teams that go against Alabama that doesn't have near the talent. Mm-hmm. Not saying that South Carolina doesn't. I think they're closer to Alabama than a lot of teams in the SEC. However, top to bottom, there's a, you know, I mean, you can't. Facts are facts, man. Alabama is loaded with five-star talent, okay? But they're young, okay? That secondary is young. That defense is young. So, I mean, secondary, they played last year, but there was at times, you know, they haven't been tested this season. Mm-mm. And one thing that I like about what Coach said earlier this week was Helensky came to him and said he loves playing fast, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see, man. I don't want to see three yard, five yards, safe routes and stuff like that. I want to see. I want to see the first play, a freaking bomb to the end zone, stretching the field, getting these guys back. That's what you got to do, man. You got to think outside the box. And if you can get Alabama on their heels, yeah, watch out. Then, then this, we may have a ball game. And I hope it is a shootout, and it comes down between Helensky and Tua. You know what I'm saying? Now, one final thing here on Alabama, Shane, before we jump off the tide. Nick Saban, this is turning into a weekly segment here. Saban's pissed off again this time when asked about the 2010 loss at South Carolina. What do you remember from the 2010 game against South Carolina? And do you ever use that game as an example to other teams of, you know, staying on the process and that, that season in general, actually? What year are we in now? 2019? So most of our guys were in grade school, you know, when that happened. But what I remember from it uh, is we got the line and kicked out of our britches. I don't know if you know what that means, but that means you get your butt kicked so bad you got no seam in the back of your pants. Um, so, yeah, I remember that. But I, I'll ask the players today if when they were in sixth grade, do they remember it? But we'll, we'll see. 
And if they don't remember it, I don't know how it motivates them, but I know this is a tough place to play, and we got a lot of respect for the team that we're playing. Well, Shane, none of these players were even born. Why in the hell are they asking me this question? They're undefeated with him uh, with the, having these damn wild responses here, Shane. Thoughts on uh, Nick Saban's oh, latest outburst? Six graders. I have an answer to that question. <laughs> Hell, I barely remember the game, Mike. You know what I'm saying? I you can't you can't do that. Do upsets happen all the time? If you overlook a team, you can get beat. I mean, it, I'm, prime example. We've had them already this season. There was games that probably should have been won that weren't because you were overlooking the opponent. That's just that's football one on one. And Alabama and Nick Saban. That's one thing that he's really, really, really good at is getting his team focused. Now, was there times last year that they slipped a little bit, you know? You remember Citadel, Mike. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. We all have a Citadel on our schedule, but Nick Saban, halftime adjust, came out, did it, but they 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 don't overlook teams, and that's one of the things that Nick Saban's really good at, and he's going to have these players ready. Uh, but like you said, I'd love to see I'd love to see Muschamp in this offense just really just open it up and just I mean they have got some studs out there on the outside with Smith and Edwards and you know just just cut them loose let Helensky throw and play you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. yeah that's I mean that's even that's, that's our only chance I think I want to see Joiner in there too man I want to see him running some wildcat you know because it was very, I mean it was Charleston Southern but. Again, I want to see him on the field, too, being a factor. So I, I think this offense is just – it's got second wind already. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Knoxville. Jeremy Pruitt met with the media here on Monday. And, uh, you know, he kind of showed a little bit more passion here, I guess you want to say. He's obviously a very reserved guy. His team's down 0-2. Some some fans are looking for him to show a little bit more passion. I don't, you know, he didn't go overboard with it here, but, uh, you know, he's asked about Garantano today. Didn't really give a whole lot of information there, but I think it's pretty clear based on his response that the fact is, I know you were kind of harsh on Garantano there last game, last episode, but, mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is, Shane, I just don't think they have anyone else on this roster that can play the position and potentially win. I know they're not winning now, but – he just didn't really go into much there, but he was asked about what this team needs to do, what he needs to do personally to get this team in a better position to win these games. And I thought they did that on Saturday. Obviously it came up short, but showed a lot better, you know, drive and passion and put the players in the position. They just didn't always make the play. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought this was uh, the best comment Pruitt had here on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, start with just defensively, you know, uh, we had seven starters coming back from last year's defense, uh, which wasn't a very good defense, right? Well, we lose uh, Emmett Gooden, we lose Daniel Batuli, uh, Balin Buchanan, and Bryce Thompson. Now we're down to three guys, right? Uh, so there's tons of inexperience on that side of the ball. So the first thing we tried to do, uh, and we kind of lost the guys later on in fall camp. wasn't like we lost them early on. Uh, so, you know, probably in the first game, uh, like I said, uh, didn't carry enough weapons into the game, you know. Uh, when I say weapons, I'm talking about things that you can call to be aggressive, to put the other team on their heels. Uh, a lot of the, one of the reasons we didn't do that is because we knew we couldn't execute it, you know. Uh, exactly right. But I felt like in that game, especially defensively, we played on our heels. 
Uh, that's never how I've ever, ever coached. It's never how we call games around here. It's not how we practice anything that we do. So in this game, we went the other way and said, you know what, we probably ain't going to get some of this stuff right, but we're going to be aggressive. We're going to try to throw marbles at the quarterback and the running backs and, and give our kids a chance and call the game aggressively. I feel like that helped our guys defensively. I think it showed Saturday. Um, you know, uh, you always go back and, and, and look you know, what could you do better? For me, the first thing I'm saying is the last play, uh, the, long, the long pass play. Hey, could I call timeout before the ball was snapped? I'm always trying to look and see how can I improve uh, to make sure that we get it right. You know, there's no doubt we went for it three times on fourth down. One of them we scored a touchdown. Two others we didn't. You got fourth and a foot uh, to win the game, in my opinion. Uh, we're at a point in our program where we want to make sure that we're trying to create an identity that we're coming out there to win football games. Uh, and, you know, um, we got to get those. We got to get fourth and a foot uh, twice, and we didn't. So uh, I think everybody, and I always do it, and we'll continue to do it, but I think everybody in our program, we have to look in the mirror and see what can we do to get better, and everybody's doing that. All right, Shane, so he kind of went into his little spiel there and – Basically, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. I didn't realize. Obviously, we knew this at the time, but you kind of so much has happened. You kind of forget it. I mean, they lost about half half the defensive players they were counting on have not even seen the field for Tennessee this year. Some of them are lost for the year already. Others are suspended. Others are hurt. I don't know. It kind of makes sense now why Tennessee's defense has been struggling so much. They just don't have the bodies right now, and um, I think you got to. Yes, everyone's kind of pissed off at Pruitt on Rocky Top right now, but I think he put these guys in the best position possible here against BYU. Uh, it's just the execution wasn't there, and I know fans don't want to hear that, but based on what I saw on Saturday, that's kind of the reality of it at this point. You ever heard of Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> you know, you fall in love with your captor, you know? Right. That's what it kind of feels like. Yeah, I— I'm I'm serious, dude. Uh, here we are, zero and two, right? Second season of Pruitt. I'm I'm not ready to fire him. You know, I, I've seen some rumblings online. People upset with the coach. They want a new coach. Yada yada yada. You know, we're stuck with this guy, and I kind of like him. You know, I, I I like the coaching staff. I love the thing that I love about this team. Okay, because there are pieces on this team I really love. When you see a guy like. Henry uh, Tototo, or however you say his name, you know, mm-hmm. out there giving his all, true freshman. You look at that offensive line, I, I wish it would settle down, but you see these true freshmen out there. You see Gray. You see bits and pieces of this offense and defense that is good, you know. I like I like the talent we have. And when he comes out and he talks about he likes his team, well, hell, I like them too. But there's some pieces I don't like. And that's the one that frustrates the fan base. Right. And, and and honestly, Garantano is one of them. You know, Garantano was not recruited by Jeremy Pruitt, yet he still got the starting job. There may be a time this season that we get really upset with Pruitt, especially if he either doesn't develop Garantano or doesn't make a change at that position because – that's where we're short. You know, you see people like Jawan Jennings giving everything they got, and then you've got Pat, you got receiver. I mean, have you seen these pictures floating around with these wide receivers just wide the freak open? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? And he's trying to force the ball. That's just where Garantano is as a quarterback. So 
I don't want to bury Garantano because I did that yesterday. I'm just saying I really do like this team. I like this coaching staff, and I like the way, I. you know, are we where we want to be? No. Am I happy with 0-2? Absolutely not. But there is some, there are some pieces on this, and that's where I'm at right now. I'm not, you know, I'm not even looking at the scoreboard. I'm just picking players random off the field and say, you know what? That's a cool cat. I like him. You know what? I want his jersey. <laughs> well, I got to be honest with you, Shane. It's good to have old optimistic cousin Shane back on the show. <laughs> Maybe I'm just delirious, man. I don't know. I'll tell you, it's a syndrome, and I, I'm going to have to do some research on it. All right, Shay, let's jump on down to Athens. Where Kirby Smart met with the media here on Monday as well. I didn't have a ton to say. Well, I mean, he did, but sometimes it's hard to read between what's going on here. They're playing Murray State. They're playing Arkansas State. They're still kind of in the dregs of their schedule here. But I thought one thing of particular interest that he talked about, Shane, talked about George Pickens, who kind of, Hit on him in the last episode, but he's asked about him once again. And freshman linebacker Nolan Smith, two of the five stars that they signed in the last recruiting class that are already making plays on the field. And kind of why I wanted to hit on his comments here, Shane, because these guys, while they're slowly working themselves in the rotation, they're already making plays against these overmatched opponents. That's what you want to see. But if Georgia is going to win the SEC, if they're going to win the national championship, by the end of the season, Shane, I think these two guys in particular, George Pickens and Nolan Smith, they they don't have to be the stars of the team, but they have mm-hmm. to be strengths of this team if Georgia's going to go all the way. Oh, he has a long way to go. It's a blocker. He, he, he had a good block the other day, but he's not – He's not our best blocker. I mean, he's he's he does a lot of other things well. What I, what I've enjoyed is his willingness to block and to grow as a blocker. He's he's out of control on a lot of blocks. He thinks every block he's going to be able to go knock them out, and he's got to learn that, that they see him coming. He's not invisible, so he has to do a good job position block and fit up, sustain blocks, and not go for the big hit all the time. But his willingness to do it is what's allowed him to play to this point because when he's willing to do it and he knows who to block, he's pretty good. I know you said the uh, O-line matchup against Murray State was obviously a little bit overmatched this past weekend, but with that being said, what did Nolan Smith do that made him so successful, and what does he still have to do against better competition? Uh, Nolan's smart. Nolan listens. So when you give Nolan a plan and say, this is the way I want you to rush on this defense or this is the way I want you to rush on this particular tackle, he does it. He applies what he learns. Uh, and he plays with just maximum effort. I mean, he just he's like a wild man, hair on fire. I'm never over. And a lot of football is effort. It's not, you know, you can take 10 five-stars and 10 three-stars and you go out there and put one other guy on the team to make 11 and the team that plays hardest usually finds a way to win the game. And that's what Nolan does, man. He plays hard. And that makes football important to him. It allows us to play him in a lot of situational football. Uh, he's got to continue to do that because he's going to get matched up on better and better just like this week. He's going to play better tackles than he played last week. So he's got to use his skill set. He's got to use his trade. And he's got to understand how the defense is engineered to make it work. All right, Shane. So Kirby's, you know, pretty high on these guys. You know, he's not one – to really like throw out a ton of praise basically he likes to say what they need to improve upon but uh, they're already out there making plays and like I said the competition's not been great you know they've only played one SEC opponent here but uh, 
I don't know. I, I'm already liking what I see from George Pickens and Nolan Smith. And uh, do you agree with me that, uh, you know, these are the type of guys that they need to step up if George is going to go and, and realize, you know, their ultimate dreams this season? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, they're going to have to. They haven't really needed them the first two games, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to be a while before they actually do need them. But hopefully by that time, they're completely developed. Uh, I like blocking receivers. I think that's one of the most underrated uh, skills a receiver has because sometimes there's a big difference between an eight-yard gain and a 40-yard touchdown, and it's because that receiver got that block. So I like the fact that uh, Pickens is out there headhunting, you know? Yeah, and I think that's so critical when you got a guy like DeAndre Swift because the one time you half-ass it on the block on the outside and it blows up mm-hmm. a play – that could be the difference between Georgia winning and losing when you're talking about Alabama or Florida or Tennessee. Just kidding. But yeah. some of these <laughs> some of these really good teams that Georgia's going to play, I mean, they, they cannot put him out there if he's not going to give all-out effort. Exactly. When, if they're only going to throw him two passes because that's what the game plan is that day, but they're asking him to block 35 times and he's only willing to do it 34, I don't know if they can put him out there against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. All right, Shane. So we got big news here out of Fayetteville. Whoopee. Oh, man. It's almost like Chad Morris hit his head. He's making <laughs> wise decisions here because, oh, Nick Starkle, Shane, the guy he should have been starting a month ago, named the starter there in Fayetteville. <laughs> you know, it felt like that uh, coming out of half, um, you know, we it, it wasn't – so much what Ben did or didn't do, uh, it's what Nick did. And uh, we were looking for a spark, something to get our offense moving, um, create some momentum, create some yards, uh, give an opportunity for some big plays. And that was, that was our decision going into it. And Nick, Nick will be our starter. You know, the pass protection was, uh, I thought the ball came out of his hand quick, which helped the pass protection up front. Uh, we, did, we, we did let him get hit. Uh, after the ball was released too much, we got to keep him clean, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, there was the one sack that uh, he did not have a chance to get the ball out and throw it away. But uh, I, I, the one thing I did, I did see the ball come out, you know, came out of his hand quick. Um, and you know, I thought at that point they, you know, you kind of saw Ole Miss kind of back off a little bit and, and uh, give us some underneath stuff and. And, and loosen some things up. All right, Shay. So not only have they named Nick Starkle the starting quarterback, but based on what Chad Moore said here, my God, he realized the defenses had to honor the passing game, had to honor the offense <laughs> with this guy in there. That was a revelation to Chad Morse that for some reason he could not see until here on Monday. I guess better late than never, but uh, what are your thoughts, Shane, on Nick Starkle getting this job? And I mean, it's they probably should, like I said, they should have pulled the trigger earlier, but they got two non-conference games here coming up. They should win both these games. These are going to be ideal games to get Starkle going before SEC play picks up once again. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? No, this is okay. It's like now the season can finally start, Mike. We have our quarterback, something that he should have announced six weeks ago, but we're here now, and we're going to continue to grow with our quarterback. So I like this. You know, Nick Starkle's getting all the ones during practice this week. When he comes out, we know exactly who the quarterback's going to be. The wide receivers know exactly who the quarterback is. The linemen 
you know, they know exactly what the cadence is. And I, I just think it's just, it's a win-win for Arkansas. So this is the best move he's made this season. Easy. Yeah. And I know I've been giving Chad Morris a hard time, Shane, but this really does open up so many things. And it's not even this season. It's moving forward because yeah, you got all these young receivers. You've got some young talent all around the quarterback position. And why not grow him into the system Grow him in with these, mm-hmm. you know, rapport with these receivers and tight ends. And while they're growing, he's growing by next year. I mean, if you hadn't, I mean, no disrespect to Ben Hicks, but even if he did have a great year, then you're starting all over and having to build that again with a new quarterback. Nick Starkle's got Absolutely. two years. I mean, this was just so much sense. This just made too much sense. I don't know why they, why the hell they haven't done it yet already. And Lyman. I mean, Lyman don't get enough love either, but. The quarterback sees the way the defense is playing. He can adjust the line. You know what I'm saying? So I just think it's a win-win for the whole offense in a whole. Benefits the offense as a whole. Absolutely, Shane. All right, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Coach O met with the media here all Monday, Shane. And I just thought this was interesting. All these these shady Longhorns. No (laughs) AC in the visiting locker room. Well, first of all, I called Louisiana Tech. And uh, they told us about it. So uh, we did some things in the dressing room that were better. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it was better. We're, at least we had air in there. They, they didn't have air. We had some blowers in there. So I don't think that, that caused as much as going out there and having to play 93 plays on defense. I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, although it was hot, I, I, thought like, uh, I think the humidity was like 23%. It wasn't like Louisiana. Uh, but our guys did did crap up in the second half. We, we talked about it as a staff that uh, we need to give some IVs, more IVs at halftime. Uh, didn't seem like nobody needed needed one at that time. But uh, to prevent that, I think that you, more guys will get IVs at halftime, obviously with the doctor's approval. All right, Shane. I thought this was pretty smart, though, of Coach O touching base with Louisiana Tech before this game. <laughs> Found out the key to playing there in Austin. What were your thoughts when you found out that uh, you know they they had there's no AC down there in Austin apparently they can't afford it, dude. I you know it wasn't long. We were we had Leach on here talk about Mississippi State's opponent. You know locker room it was the worst ever. But it, there's a big difference between two toilets and one roll of toilet paper and no air condition in Texas in September first of September. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is people's health, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these kids are giving all they got, you know, on the field. That thing was over 100 degrees. It was extremely humid. That, you know, they're having to take IVs and everything like that to get the fluids going. So to not have an air condition, that just seems borderline, I don't know, like like that should be a fine or something, you know. That should never happen. But I will say this, you know, high school ball, a lot of times you go to places they ain't got air conditions either, so I get it. You know, so they're probably accustomed to it. But there was a lot of things in this game I did not like about what Texas and they did there in Austin, about putting the band up real high, you know, the, the visiting section. They gave all these tickets, but it was to the upper deck, you know. I just hope that when these cats come back to Death Valley that they remember all this. Sounds like the Longhorns got themselves some karma there, Shane. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> You're going to roast there at Death Valley, son. <laughs> 
Injury updates here from Coach O, Shane Richard, Lawrence, Glenn, Logan, both out for this uh, upcoming game against Northwestern State. S certainly, surely they won't need these guys. And uh, Calavon Chasson sounds like he he's listed as questionable by Coach O, but I would imagine they're going to hold him out for this one too. You know, you shouldn't like I said, you shouldn't need these guys for this one. And if they're nursing an injury. You know, might as well hold them back another week. I think uh, I think mm -hmm. that's what you got to do because you got Vanderbilt coming up here in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Last thing here on LSU Shed, I really wanted to play this clip uh, because I just thought it was so good. But Coach O was asked about his early struggles there at LSU. This is something to a lot of SEC teams, Arkansas, Tennessee, uh, a lot, a lot of these teams. Shane, I think we could kind of hear this and and listen that i know no one wants to be patient shane that's just not the, our culture these days <laughs> these guys are getting paid a ton of money they you know they need to be delivering some results but it just doesn't happen overnight it didn't even happen at overnight here at lsu shane a lot of people thought coach o would be gone already and looks like his team's knocking on the door being a potential playoff contender uh, so i just really wanted to play this clip here from coach o hey coach here in the middle if i could ask you kind of a big picture question can you speak to kind of weathering the storm here, you know, when becoming the head coach? You know, early on, your numbers were low in certain spots. Uh, you had those two losses to Mississippi State and Troy your first year. And then yeah. your recruiting was good early, but it wasn't what it was the last couple yeah. of years. I just want to know if you can speak to kind of grinding through that yeah. to be where you are right now. Yeah, you got to stick to the plan and believe. You know, uh, obviously, there were some mistakes made early on. and um, But you know what? Uh, we got better. We have better. I, I do believe after the Troy game, we made significant improvement, and uh, our recruiting has gotten better. Uh, I have a great coaching staff right now. It took me two years to get the coaching staff the way I wanted it. It took us two years to get uh, some depth on the offensive line. It took us two years to get more receivers that can get the ball. It took us two years to get the two running backs that we need to get in there. And then I, the big difference that's, that's been in our football team is Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, last year Cole Tracy, and this year Kate York. Those guys have made a significant difference on our football team since I've been here. All right, Shane. So patience paid off there for Baton in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what's who would have thought this? I mean, so many people mocked this high. I know I did a little bit here. Uh, he was a disaster at Ole Miss, but that was so long ago. I mean, I think. Uh, I don't think there was any coaches in the league that are that are still around that were aside from Chavis. Him and Chavis are the only ones still in the SEC. So <laughs> it's a completely new SEC. So uh, you got to give credit to LSU for for sticking with their decision here, and it's it's certainly paying off this season. No, I, Joe Burrow, Joe Biden, or I mean Joe. What was the other Joe? <laughs> Joe There's so many Joe, Joes down Joe there. Brady. Joe Brady. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, no, this is good. You know, it did take time. And, you know, it was a little frustrating there. I, I You know Coach is a little frustrating with how things started because a, a man took a job, immediately was not expected to have that position at the end of the season. You know, and he – dude, he battled. And LSU isn't his first gig. You know, he's been at some stops – and he's had some rough times, and he's finally landed the dream job. And I swear, if you give Coach O an opportunity, he'll stay down there till he's 90 years old. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. um, it took a little while, you know. I don't know if a spread offense was exactly what he wanted. But I'll tell you, somebody like Joe Burrow made can make a team. 
And uh, the fact that he took this thing by the reins and, you know, that's what you got to find sometimes. You got to find that diamond and it's usually a quarterback position and they change everything, man. They, they make your team fun again. Mm-hmm. All right, Shay, last team we got to hit on here. Let's jump on down to Texas A&M. Giga Maggots. Jimbo Fisher met with the media here on Monday, and I just thought this was kind of some interesting comments because, again, this is a program that's not where they want to be, but they look to be headed that way. Uh, but that defeat there at Clemson is kind of a, kind of a humbling one. And uh, Jimbo hit on uh, what his team needs to take away from that game because – you know, it's kind of cliche to say, Shane, but I, th- I think it's true. You learn a lot more in defeat than you do in victory. Uh, so he talked about that. And then also on his leadership and the players responding the right way this week in practice. You want them to take well, the, away the, the worst game. thing about this game that we can come out of it with, that we don't learn from it. That we don't learn and have the learning experience of how you have to go through it and how you have to play in it. And that's what I want us to come back this week ready to practice, ready to go, keep creating even better habits. Because, like I always say, when you have great habits, when pressure comes, those habits come straight to the surface and being able to do them in the biggest moments and not worrying about winning. Because sometimes you go in and all you're focusing on is winning. It shouldn't be. You should go in focusing on playing well. When you play well, you win. And that's part of the growing experience, which hopefully we can learn from this. If we do, then we can progress and we have plenty more opportunities as the year goes on. And that's another thing that's encouraged me about this too, is that the attitude of our players have taken and they knew it after the game. They knew that, you know, they had opportunities, and they got to grow from them, and that's what I think they'll do. Coach Jamon had talked about body language on the sidelines and how maybe he could have been better. Who's that? Jamon Osmond saying about body language and sidelines, mm-hmm. how he could have been better about getting the younger guys, you know, hey, stay with it, stick with it. Mm-hmm. What, what do you see from, from that this week in practice about, you know, well, taking well, this hard but, you know, step, moving we forward? We haven't seen practice yet, so I don't know. That's what I'm hoping. I, and, but from the reaction and the comments and the talking to the guys, they, they understand. And sometimes make sure we made them talk about it right afterwards. How do you feel? What was you feeling? So it's, it's fresh in your mind. You know what I'm saying? And they understood, and then they get it. This is a team that wants to be coached. It's not a team that's being negative or anything else, and it wants to win very badly. It's working very hard. It's learning how to do and handle those moments, and that's the good thing about it. They've never been in those moments they, they're, where they're walked in on the number one team in the country and say, everybody say, a lot of people think they can win the game. And that's a learned behavior to be able to deal with that, handle that, and a growth part. And that's the biggest tragedy is if we don't grow from it from you know, and, and how we handle that. And hopefully by how we practice and go. And I think we will because I think we have a very good group of leaders who address those issues, not in a negative way, but in their own way and the other ways of, of which we have to grow. All right, Shane. So obviously A&M fans <laughs> would have wanted to win this Clemson game. But if you don't learn anything in this defeat, then uh... – you know, and a lot of times these teams, certainly not suggesting they're going to lose to Lamar, but you let these games linger and you get beat two or three times. I think he makes a good point that uh, you know there's there's takeaways to to be had here, and they're going to need that going into SEC play here in the coming weeks. Yeah, and, and it goes back to fundamentals because when they're watching film, there's going to be times in this game where all 11 aren't doing their job. You know, 10 are doing their job, but one messed up or one gave up early and it messed the entire play up because that's just, that's the game of football, man. And, you know, they do have some young talent on that team and this was a big game Mm -hmm. and that they'd love to have back. But I guarantee there was plenty of opportunities during this game that maybe even just us as a viewer did not catch, but I guarantee in film study they did. And this, and it all goes back down to practice, man. When you do your job right and you 
practice your fundamentals, then when you come into these big game situations, you're not going to have those blown opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, Shane. And that's just something they're going to have to learn moving forward because they, they've still got everything in front of them. Like I said, still you know, undefeated in the oh, yeah. SEC. They've got a ton of big games here coming up in conference. Uh, if they if they let this game linger, it's, it's going to be a long one there in College Station. And final thing here with the Aggie Shade, uh, got to add this note. This is uh, bad news here, but starting running back Jay Sean Corbin out for the season. Jimbo announced he's in, oh, injured shit. his hamstring there. He was really starting to come on. Obviously, they already lost uh, Travion Williams last you know this offseason, and this is the guy stepping up and replacing him. Now he's he's gone. Um, that's that's just a tough blow for the Aggies. Man, that sucks. Did this happen during the game? It did, yeah, against Clemson. Man, that sucks. That is, you hate to hear it, and especially back there, because a running back's not just a running back, man. Sometimes he's back there and he's the last protection for Mon, and uh, you, you just you hate to hear that, man. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. So that's all I got on this episode. You got anything before we hop off here? Yeah, buddy, I got some reviews. Uh-oh. First off, I do appreciate everybody taking the opportunity to give us a rating review on iTunes. Um, you know, I've we've had a lot of people ask, "Hey, I don't have I don't have an iPhone. How can I help?" Uh, you know, Mike tweets out the show podcast every day. Uh, a simple retweet would really help as well because there may be somebody in your timeline that's looking for a podcast just like this to find out what's going on around their league. Uh, but you can always catch us, that SEC podcast, on Reddit. Um, we're also on Twitter and Instagram. But, Mike, I've got a couple of reviews. Some folks did sneak some phones there at the uh, Best Buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one here comes from Gators Fan 2022 says, do yourself a favor now. Five star. This podcast is fantastic. Hard to find two guys more committed than Shane and Mike. They are always they always give a fair and super entertaining sense of how the conference is doing. They're as reliable as Frank's is mediocre. <laughs> Go Gators. <laughs> Gators fan, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. That we appreciate it. That review. All right, next one comes from Huey98, the best pod ever, five-star. Mike and Cousin Shane do it right. Rarely do you find a podcast that has it all. It's so good, I have to use my work account to write another review. This is your boy, Hugh. (laughs) These guys are quickly becoming the premier subject matter experts in the SEC football. I have listened to every podcast and enjoy the football IQ and humor that is always present. The only thing that that would make this better after my South Carolina team lost the opener in North Carolina was Cousin Shane sharing his thoughts on the Tennessee loss. Hilarious. <laughs> Mike and Shane are real. Mike and Shane are real and it comes across authentic. Please don't change anything, guys. Keep it coming. If I could give you a hundred star review, I would. Hugh, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for the hustle there. Yeah, thanks, Hugh. We really appreciate that one. Now, last one, Mike. This one comes from Sheila Rocky Top Pick Me. <laughs> <laughs> Love the podcast. Five star. Really enjoy the podcast. So happy for Mike and Shane's success. Number one fan, but a little embarrassed with the situation at hand. Not not how I thought I'd like to leave a review for this great podcast, but here we go. I apologize to you, Shane and Mike, that Gerald felt, felt it necessary to involve you guys in our personal matters. 
with remorse, I will respond. Gerald, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> this... Uh, this all could have been solved had you taken your medicine and we wouldn't be communicating through podcast reviews, you <laughs> jackass. <laughs> you left me for your first ex-wife racking up $3,600 in Amazon bills. It ne- It's never okay. And I don't care if we get free delivery. There ain't no way you bought all those old Playboys in your sleep. <laughs> Daisy was your idea. All right, Mike, Daisy was your idea from the get-go. And for the one millionth time, Daisy ain't no cat. She's a ferret, so don't feed her cat food. I hope she eats all you, your and Ray Ray's curtains. I like my hair, and I ain't cutting it like Ray Ray's. I bet you remember the furniture store, the whole town of Newport. (laughs) (laughs) After somebody had to post it public on Facebook, if we get back together, I need the house signed over, and a new boyfriend needs to finish that retaining wall before I kick him out. I only miss you sometimes, Sheila. Wow, what a what a review, Shane. I don't even know what to say oh, after that I love one. It. It's not a cat, Mike. It's a ferret. <laughs> Sheila, I appreciate you. Uh Gerald, I, I hope things work out. I really do. <laughs> and please note for the listeners, we are not making these up and we are not writing these. <laughs> no, no. Absolutely not. Uh but I love it, man. I love it. I appreciate everybody. Uh, it's we're family, man. We're talking about college football. We all love college football. I mean, hell, we're listening to an SEC podcast for crying out loud. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I appreciate all the support, guys. Uh, the rating reviews really do help us out, and uh, I'm ready for some action this week. It's not going to be near as good as week four, but you know, it's a lot better than football in June. You know what I'm saying? Oh, without a doubt. Knock wood if you're with me. <laughs> All right, Shane, that's going to do it for this one. Uh, Thanks, as always, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.